The Help Show is a podcast dedicated to connecting individuals to mental health resources in the community. The Help Show is more than a podcast. It is a movement focused on change. Our objectives are to change the perception and stigma associated with mental health, encourage those with mental health disease to get help, foster access to mental health resources, and remove barriers to mental health resources, including those encountered in undeserved communities. We remain committed to supporting the mental health needs of the community during the COVID-19 pandemic. Though the world has changed dramatically in a short period of time, The Help Show is here to help and navigate through the changes and address your mental health needs. Seek help when needed. If distress impacts your daily life for several days or weeks, talk to a clergy member, counselor, or doctor, or contact SAMHSA Helpline at 1-800-985-5990. The crisis worker will work to ensure that you feel safe and help identify options and information about mental health services in your area. Your call is confidential and free. This podcast is sponsored by Good Coworking. Good Coworking is the first solar-powered co-working community in the world focused on cultivating profitable businesses that do right by the people plus the planet, all while keeping you safe in a beautiful plant-filled wellness center space. Get an address for your business, which comes with two daytime co-working days per month to get your meetings done, all for the quarterly cost of $150. Good Work have many membership options, from frequent flyer to office rental, So let Good Coworking help you find just the right space to help you balance your life and work. Located in Dallas, Texas, just south of Deep Ellum. Check out goodcoworking.co and tell them the Help Show sent you. Today's special guest is head coach of Florida Memorial Universe basketball team, Anzar Alami. Anzar began his coaching career with the Oakland Soldier AAU program, Powerhouse in Northern California. The Soldier program has produced such NBA players as Chauncey Billups, Drew Gooden, Chuck Hayes, and LeBron James. It is there at the grassroots level that Alameen began to develop his expertise in the world of basketball. Alameen has been highly successful at both the AAU and collegiate and NBA levels. Through this experience, Alameen has encountered numerous basketball legends, all-stars, and Hall of Fame coaches. Anzar, you the man. You the man, it's the man. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Very impressive, extremely impressive. You, from like high school to college to pro, like you, it's like you know every aspect of sports from overseas, you, you, you got it, man. Man. Hey, I've, I've I've worked very hard, so I'm. Um, but this is a, a great subject, and it's crazy because there's so many things that you talked about inside of the numbers that I can't wait to to dive into. Oh man, I can't wait! I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today, and we call that the TTT. We call that thank you, thank you, thank you, because we're beyond grateful. So. I guess it's time to get this um, podcast going. So now I gave me some questions I'm supposed to ask, but I got to ask one before I get there. Okay. When she told me you were coming on today, I was like beyond thrilled. I was like, this man's a legend. He's done a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing that's really amazed me is your ability, I guess, to really get inside of people's heads and motivate them to be better. How do you do that? It is, uh, it's crazy because I'm dealing with that now at this level. And, and as you've read, I've had so much success with 
just getting into people's heads and being able to help them become great. And, and I'm trying to figure that out with the group that I have now, because it's, it's different. It's like, with certain players, like you mentioned, Sean Marion. With Sean Marion, it was just about you can do this, and then he went out and did it. You know what I mean? With you know, I, it's it's a story that I'll never forget. With Carmelo Anthony, I had Carmelo Anthony for the the 2002 draft, and um, and we were sitting there. I think it was 2000, whatever 2002, 2003, whichever draft it was. So I think it's 2003. So we we were doing pre-draft training. And I'm telling him, I'm like, man, you know, you could, you could average, you know, 16, 17 points a game. And he looked at me with the dirtiest look anybody has ever looked at me. He said, I'm averaging, I'm averaging 20. And then he went out and did it. And it's just the confidence that he had inside of him. You know what I mean? Where if with certain people I'm learning, you know, they already have the it. You just have to bring it out. You know what I mean? And if someone doesn't have the it, you know, that's why this show is actually good because you can figure out what's going on. Okay. So that's a question um, Naya's got me asking. So mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit about, about the whole idea of the things that the guys you're working with are dealing with. We see a lot of trauma in society. Folks are dealing with all kind of stuff every day. Many guys come from impoverished backgrounds, they're coming from the streets. This is the first big break, whether it's college or pro, and this is the chance that I got to like really go out there and do it. So there's a lot of pressure there to, there to begin with. And then as you look at somebody like Colin Kaepernick, who's seeing all this and kind of stands up and you see the reaction back from, from that, I'm guessing it's gotta be fairly confusing for a young man to kind of think through. So as you kind of think about you know, the profession, coaching, how, how do you help, you know, the average African-American minority basketball player really think about how to deal with the racism, trauma that exists out there in sports right now? Well, I, I think um, one of the, the uh, I want to start with one of the, the statistics that you, you named, and I think I, I think Nyada said it about when a, when a young man makes it to the pros that all of the issues go away. You know, everything's, your slate is washed clean once you make it to the NBA, NFL, MLB, whatever that is. And uh, I'm going to answer your question, but I'm going to answer it this way by starting with my favorite player that I ever trained. His name was Tito Maddox. You can look him up. He was at Fresno State. And um, with LeBron, I got 60 men that I've trained that played in the NBA and still to this day, Tito's my favorite because I think Tito was my biggest failure because I was young when I was training Tito. I was, you know, I was early 20s and all it was about what for me was helping a young man get to the NBA because like Nyetta said, all their problems go away. So Tito, um, Tito refused to go to class. You know, he refused be like he it, it's a it's a funny story that I always tell people it's two stories I tell people about Tito one time Tito went to class and he asked the professor he said uh, you know what's it going to take to get an A in this class and the professor said you know you got to get 800 points said, okay what about a B they're going to have to get 700 points he looked around a little bit he said okay and a C he said, Tito, 
It's 100 points each time. It'll be 600 points. You say, okay. And a D is a Tito. It'll be 500 points. Tito said, well, give me all my classwork right now because I'm not coming back to class, right? So he was like, I'm never coming back to class. So, you know, in, in college basketball working for Jerry Tarkanian, you had to do class checks to make sure that people were in class during that time. So we we went to Tito's class to see if he was in there. We're, we checked the class, Tito's nowhere to be found. So we like, Tito, we see Tito a little bit later. We said, Tito, you didn't go to class. He said, I did go to class. I said, Tito, you didn't go to class. He said, I did go to class. Tito, we were at your class. You did not go. He said, I did go to class. I went to class. I looked in and I left, <laughs> right? So, so he did go to class technically, you know what I mean? And, and Tito, Tito listened to everything that I told him. If I told Tito to do anything that had to do with basketball, he was going to do it. You know, no questions asked, whatever it was, he did it. I never told Tito to go to class. I never told Tito, hey, man, be a good person. I never told Tito to do any of these things. The only thing that we did was work on basketball. And then I ended up leaving. I ended up leaving um, the year that he, the final year that he played. And I went to, I left and went to University of Missouri. So he started out having a great season. He got mixed up with an agent and, um, you know, messed his season up. And then he ended up getting drafted in the second round. So, boom, he got drafted. He still made it. You know what I mean? So the problems are still gone because he made it to the NBA. No, because the pressures of his friends back home, the pressures of the fact that he was in a game in, in L.A., all of those pressures were still there. You know, now it became even worse because he's in the NBA and he has this money and everybody's grabbing, everybody's grabbing on him. So he ended up quitting the NBA after one year and said the NBA money was too slow and became a drug dealer and ended up getting shot twice um, and it, it's crazy because you look at it and you say we should have been there for him more to you know I mean he wasn't doing this stuff correct but because he was so talented we left all of that alone you know and the mental health you know a player like Tito the trauma that he that he saw growing up and all the things that that happened to him throughout his life being in the gang and having all of the issues that he had we didn't address him because he was so talented no. so we say just give him a ball he go out and play everything will be fine well that wasn't the case because he needed somebody to help him he needed somebody to say hey this is not how we deal with things you know less less Let's talk about the things that are going wrong with you. But none of us had, none of us at the time, none of us were equipped for that. Because all we thought was make it to the NBA, your life is better. You right. know, and, and that's why I see the things that are going on today. And I'm like, man, I wish we would have known this 20 years ago. Absolutely. Hmm. So... That, that, that's, that, that, that's fascinating. That, that, that's, that is such a cautionary tale. That, I wouldn't even believe it. Yeah, I'm just kind of sitting here in awe. <laughs> yeah, as, as psychiatrist, I, I was actually at a trauma conference this, this weekend. And, and as you were talking, mm -hmm. I'm sitting there thinking, man, that just brings it, brings it to life. Of, mm -hmm. um, even, when you, even when you make it, even when things are going well and you got that kind of money to be able to walk away from it, 
because mm-hmm. of all the stuff going in your head is is almost mind-boggling for the average person to comprehend. Mm-hmm. We have to we have to do a better. Oh, go ahead, Naya. No, no, no. I'm, but I was going to say there. But at the end of the day, they're still dealing with secondary trauma and vicarious trauma. What me and Doctor Roger spoke about earlier. You know, the reason Tito was the way that Tito was because his background, which is generational mm-hmm. trauma, we're talking about secondary trauma, we're talking about vicarious trauma, trauma that you you have. Explain it to me, Doctor. Explain like you explained to me on the phone, Doctor. Well, I think you've got the, the primary trauma, which is I deal with. I'm dealing with it. I got shot at. I'm in the game. Yeah. Things are happening. But then I think the vicarious and secondary trauma is really what happens to the people around him, because yeah. I suspect that Tito was not doing all this in a vacuum. I suspect mm-hmm. that it's, it affected a lot of other people along the way, um, in, including you, of course, because mm-hmm. I mean you're looking at it many years, many years past it, saying you know. Where did we go wrong with with this and really kind of kind of dissecting it? And so I can only imagine the folks around him and the impact that has on the other players on, on the team as well, which would be more the secondary trauma that we were talking about earlier in life. Definitely. You, you see it. And that was just one. It was a, a young man. I won't say his name that I had recently. And, and we couldn't have him on our team because he had some things happen in his life. It was some things that happened to him, and it's like, man, the stuff you're dealing with is, you know what I mean? Like when a young man, a young man calls you on the phone and he's crying, like you know it's something completely wrong, you know what I mean? And and it's like, man, basketball is secondary to you getting your life figured out. And and it was so crazy. You like I I spoke to, I spoke to someone that was close to him, and they were like, you know. The things that happen to him are the things that people kill people for. You know what I mean? And it's just like, it's like, dude, this is crazy. Like, you got to get life figured out and forget about basketball. Absolutely. Or you can't even you you can't even play the game correctly if you don't figure your no. life out. It, it is so true. Basketball is secondary. You know, and and what I see with a lot of the, the athletes, because I know some athletes, is that they put basketball as as their primary. Is that and, and then a lot of times what I learned is that basketball is what saved their lives too. Things are it keeps mm-hmm. them structured. You being a coach, you're mm-hmm. like a counselor. You know they need someone to look up to. They need someone to talk to. They need someone to show them guidance. They need a family because some of them don't even have family. You know, and and that's where the, that's where the stressors come from. So you know, for that, like, how can you tell your athletes or coaches? you know, that are stressed out feeling ex- excessive pressure, what signs do you look for? What can be done to manage their stress and or how to how can you help them create less stress for environments? Well as you being a coach, you only can do so much. But what mm-hmm. what can you do? Well I, I think um the first thing as a coach you know how how everybody's doing. You know, all of your players all of you know how everybody's doing now whether you choose to address it that day is one thing because you when you're around people so much you know everybody's tendencies like it was a a young man that i had last year i could tell from the way he walked into the gym what type of day he was gonna have like you could already see the energy and how he was going and like you know hey man you know 
come over here. Let's talk about it. Let's get it understood. And 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 I, this young man, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about him. It's um it's funny because he he's from out here in Florida, but he you know he was I guess he was a, a blood or whatever. So when I first saw him, he had a rag on, so I took his rag off him. And uh, and and he was so mad at me when I took his rag, right? And um, I took his rag, and then I I, I actually made a call to a, a former a guy. His name is Rock Johnson, and you know I call him Triple OG. And he was Rock Johnson was so bad when he was young that uh, Jim Brown had to take him in. You know what I mean? To help him out, like he was that bad. You know what I mean? And. Jim Brown helped him him turn his life around. And so I use him anytime I got a kid who has these aspirations or want to do these things. I'm like, hey, man, you need to talk to Rock Johnson because Rock can tell you, you know, the all of the things. Rock's been shot. He had all of the gang stuff. He was in yeah. jail, you know. And this is funny about This is not funny, but it's funny. So, okay. you know, in the movie uh, Training Day, when uh, when Denzel said uh, shoe, pro shoe program, right? I'm like, I didn't even know that that was a real program. And Rock was like, man, I was the first person in the shoe program. I said, oh, man, this is crazy, you know? So, so but he, he had a conversation with him. And then, you know, this young man, he really struggled academically. And I stayed on him and stayed on him and stayed on him. And he actually... It was so funny. He was he was with a young lady one day. It's a true story. He was with a young lady one day, and I told her to run away and save herself. I said, save yourself. Don't talk to him. And she said, I said, he ain't going to do nothing but mess your life up. She said, it's too late, Coach. He already got me pregnant. I said, oh, man. So, right? So, you know, but we, we worked with him, worked with him. You know, finally got his grades turned around well enough where he was able to play. You know, he had a really good year, you know, but – I, I'm listening to you like this program is 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 great for me because I'm listening to you talk about the trauma and I think I finally started to change the way I view it because we think oh man this kid has these problems well no I think problems and trauma is different you got yeah. things that have happened and and then I had to go back and and do my research and have conversations with his mother and hey have a hard conversation with him like you know, where's your dad? What's going on with your dad? How do you feel about your dad? You know what I mean? And and he tells me all the things and and we got it to a point where he was he was doing really good. You know what I mean? He was really good. I was proud of the direction that he was going in. And and then he got stabbed on the beach. And and I go I we go to the hospital. We go to the hospital, my assistant coach and I, we go to the hospital almost every day. And mm -hmm. And afterwards, I told him, I said, I said, now, who was he, who came to see you at the hospital? The, the girlfriend, who was the, the mother of his baby, his mother was there, and us as coaches. I said, where are all your gang friends at? Where are all the people that you're supposed to be willing to die for and they're supposed to be willing to die for you? Where are they at? They should be here in the hospital visiting you every day. And he said, he was like, Coach, I understand now. Now, today, he's completely off of all of that stuff you know what i mean he's not he has nothing to do with none of it and he's he's turning his life around and and i look at it and he told me and he told me it was like coach man thank you for coming up here every day he's like man my dad didn't come you know and i'm like no. you hear that your son is stabbed 
it doesn't matter what you're doing. You drop everything and you get down there. And his dad never showed up. You know, Mm -hmm. so, you know, he he viewed our relationship different now because he's like, man, coach, you was hard on me, but you're only trying to make my life better. I'm like, yeah, because I've seen your, I've seen the path that you're going on. You know, I've seen that a hundred times. I know, I know exactly how that story ends and we're trying to prevent you from, from crashing. You know I mean? And I think, you know, that was, that was, so it was terrible that he was stabbed, but through it all, I think we, you know, I mean, we've got to the other side of it and now he's ready to live a great life. But I, I wanna... back to the question that you asked me, I know everything that's going on with everybody, you know, it oh. just. One of it, it was funny. One of my sisters, him and him and his his wife were having an issue, and, and I could tell when I saw him in the morning. I could tell, and I was like, "Hey, man, you need to fix that." You know, yeah. I told you, you could be you could be right. You know, and you could stand on you could be right. Now I tell him, I said, "Man, I'm just telling you this. You can be right and stand on your position, or you could be happy. You make the decision which one you want to do. Now you can be right." <laughs> You can be outside and write. <laughs> you know, you, you, you said something earlier, and it kind of kind of made me think. Um, I was working with a young man. This was probably about four years ago. Um, college athlete, and one of the things he said really, really stuck with me. He said, "I'm on scholarship, but I can't afford to take my girl on a date." Um, he said, "I feel like." I can't ask anybody for money. My family has no money. I can't really ask my friends for money that next week. If anybody else gives me money, it's going to mess up my scholarship potential. And so I'm wondering, where do you kind of come down on, you know, paying college athletes, giving them a stipend, helping people kind of think about that? And the pay disparities that start to exist in sports in general kind of, I think, starting in college and kind of expanding out from there. Well, I think first, being broke, a broke college student is the rite of passage, you know what I mean? So for us, <laughs> you know, we looked at it, I, I, I remember, you know, my grandmother or my mother sent me Twenty thirty dollars. I'm excited. You know what I mean. Like so, being a, a broke college student, it just was what it was. You know what I mean. And it's it's, it's a part of the process. You know, I look at the. I had a, I had, I had a young man on my team. His parents would gave him like a seventeen hundred dollar allowance a month, right? For school, and I'm like. What? I'm like, man, this is why he's not performing because he he has too much stuff given to him easy. Like, you know what I mean? You you look at the best players in the world when they're in college. They, you you listen to them tell the story. They like, man, we we was piecing up money to go get a pizza or whatever. Like, so I understand what he's saying, but you know he's not the first, and he, he won't be the last. This is that was just a part of it. You know what I mean? And we we embraced. We embraced it, you know. What I mean, we, we we figured out a way to entertain ourselves. We figured out a way to to live a to live a good, fun college life. You know what I mean? But I understand the issues, and I think the paying when they start, when and if they start paying, you know, it kind of yeah. takes the hunger away a little bit. You know what I mean? Like it's a it's a part of it, 
Like you don't want to feel like my personal opinion. You don't want to feel like you've arrived. You want to feel like, okay, I'm one step closer, but I got to keep working. You know what I mean? I think, and when you get too much, then you become lazy and you, the, the hunger is not there. You're like, oh man, I'm just going to do this. Or you want to, you want to keep some sort of incentive to keep you pushing to get to the next level. If, if the next level is, is something that you aspire to do. I I think what you're saying is true because it's like it's like having that award. It's like you worked your whole life in college. You're almost there. You got to work a tad bit harder. You get a job. You might have that, that. That's real life. Then when you get that moment when you're called and they call your name and you've been drafted, you truly have been mm -hmm. arrived. You sh I mean you truly have arrived. And so I think what mm -hmm. you're saying is so. Me personally. This is my personal opinion, Dr. Rogers. They shouldn't pay them. They shouldn't. They they shouldn't. They should still work hard. Because when I was in college, I had two, three jobs, okay? So, and I was an athlete. So, I think that if you're a college athlete, and you guys might not like what I'm saying, oh, well. <laughs> you need to work. You need to focus. And you yeah, make but you're, sure not a, you're not allowed to. You're not allowed to work as a college athlete. You're not allowed because you you have practice and all this, so you don't have time to work. Hmm. Okay, you teaching me something. So they can so do. That's more. That's more of the issue. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's the challenge. But but I I love what you said about being hungry for the next for the next level though, because I think mm -hmm. that sometimes that next level is trying to go pro, but sometimes that next level is being successful in a career. Exactly. Um, and I look at the number of college athletes who are very hungry in college, mm -hmm. and they're hungry walking out into that first job too, and they mm -hmm. just go out and kill it <laughs> um, no, exactly. because that hunger's there. And and I'll, I'll tell you, I've I've had some ominous stories, but this is a great one, right? It was a kid named Trey Hart, Trey Haygood, and um, Trey played at Prairie View, graduated went to um came here actually to university of miami got his um got his master's you know he two months later he got a job and he called me he said coach and he was good enough that he could have played professionally overseas but he had a, he had a plan already he said i'm gonna graduate i'm going to grad school i'm gonna start working and he called me three summers ago and he said coach i'm 25 years old I'm making six figures, and I don't know what to do with all my money. The Health Show wants to thank all of our partners, Auckland Research Associates, NJI Holding, Good Coworking, Gift in Mind Foundation, Duke's Hair Studios, and White Pearl Inc. We'd like to take a moment and thank everyone in our listening audience for listening today. We'd also like to remind everyone that we are a nonprofit organization operating entirely off the generous support of our donors. If you'd like to give to our organization, we appreciate you. You can send your donation via Cash App, Money Sign, The Help Show, or on our website at www.thehelpshow.org. There's no donation too small. Every dollar given will strengthen our efforts. If you'd like to donate $1,500 or more and become a VIP sponsor, then we have some additional packages listed on our website. And you can visit us at www.thehelpshow.org for more details. Stay tuned for part two of episode 102, Major Problems, Minor Recognition, 
minorities and mental health in sports.